0: This is Liberal Firebrand and famous Guy Alec Baldwin. And it is my esteemed pleasure
1: to welcome you to the fourth annual THM Golden Babel
0: Awards. And now, your two headed hosts, Joe and Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, nerds. My name is Matt Bond my pleasure to welcome you to the fourth annual golden beppo Awards. fourth four years unbelievable depressingly
1: consistent
0: (laughs) another year of comic booking has come and gone and that means it's time for us to hand out our annual golden beppo awards for excellence in comic bookery but i'm gonna need a little help from my second head and co-host ladies and gentlemen Put your hands together for Mr. Joe
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you Matt's right, it's that time again The end of the year means it's time To take a look back at the comics Characters and creators of 2014 For those who don't know The Golden Beppo Award is a Beautiful gold cast statue of Superman's beloved super pet Beppo, the super chimp We'll also be handing out our fourth Annual Listener's Choice Award Coveted Listener's Choice Award We've got a ton of awards to give out. So let's get right to it.
0: As has become a long-standing tradition on the Golden Beppo Awards, we start with our character awards. And I can't think of a better place to begin than with the best new character of 2014. Joe Patrick, who gets your Golden Beppo for best new character? This year was
1: a great year for comics and comics characters, but for me, no new character struck a chord quite as, I don't know, loudly. <laughs> I'm trying not to oh, up that know, metaphor. You know, your metaphor works. As Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. All right. Jersey City's favorite daughter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jersey City needs heroes, too.
1: That's right. I love her. I think she's a great character, very fully developed and uh, realized by G. Willow Wilson oh, yeah. and Adrian Alphona in the pages of Ms. Marvel. Uh, one of Marvel's best creations in years. Absolutely. For sure. And totally an absolute agree. wonderful addition to the legions of comic characters that we all know and love. Yeah.
0: Matt Bomb, who gets your Beppo? My pick is also a female and also at Marvel Comics, I'm going with Spider-Gwen. Hey, no one expected the Edge of Spider Verse miniseries to be as good as it was. But Jason Latour, Robbie Rodriguez, and Rico Renzi's issue number two introduced Spider Gwen to an unsuspecting public, and they loved her. <laughs> Me they included. Did. I was not ready for that. And when I heard about it, it's like, this sounds dumb. And I read it, and I couldn't resist it. And I'm super excited. For the upcoming Spider-Gwen series. I thought she was fantastic. Quite possibly
1: the only comic creator ever given their own ongoing series based on the reception of one appearance. Yeah, really? I'm not sure that it was planned for her to be as popular as she was. I don't think so. I
0: think it just sort of took things by storm. And Edge of Spider-Verse, almost, no spoilers here, but almost one of my best minis. I thought about it too. It was great. (laughs) I thought about it too. Let's move on.
1: To Best Supporting Character, these are the, uh, the backbone of our favorite ensemble cast. The men the, and women behind the heroes. That's right. That's right. Matt Baum, who gets your bebo for Best Supporting Character?
0: This year was pretty tough for me. And honestly, I just caught up on this book and it hit me again how much I love this character. I'm going with Foggy Nelson. We saw Foggy Nelson die of cancer in the pages of Daredevil. This year. And it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Only he didn't die. Right. <laughs> it turned out he had like Matt was going very public with the fact that he's Daredevil. And he was just gonna own it and become like Tony Stark is Iron Man and Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And that was gonna be really dangerous for a sick foggy Nelson. So they faked his death, moved him to San Francisco. He's going through chemo there. He's still <laughs> Matt's best friend. He's wearing a fat suit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <can't remember>. But
1: <laughs> My favorite thing about that story is they didn't let him go out from the cancer. No. Because Foggy was kind of bummed about it. Yeah. You know, he's like, oh, I guess not everyone can die, you know, a huge, big death. And so Matt put him in this situation where Foggy got to be a hero
0: in front of dozens of people. He got to Leapfrog. <laughs> got, yeah, essentially. <laughs>
1: And it was an amazing moment.
0: Yeah, it really was. It One was of great. my favorite moments of the year. And Foggy had no idea what was going on. No. He didn't know what was happening, and he just put himself in a situation where he was going to die. Right. He was like, screw it. I'm just, I'm going to save like, everybody and He do this. did
1: sacrifice himself. Yeah.
0: Because Foggy thought that that was it. He thought he was going to die, and it turns out Matt had planned the whole thing, and he was super pissed at him for
1: it. <laughs> I see, and I don't, that's funny because, because is getting into review territory, but for me, I thought it was spontaneous on Matt's part. But then uh, Ant-Man was there, so... <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs>
0: like, it, I don't know. It was, it was all set up. They yeah. did it on purpose.
1: But, yeah, that's a great moment, and I support that choice. Joe Patrick, who's your best
0: supporting character
1: for 2014? This one was hard for me uh, because, for me, uh, the focus I felt was a, a much more on the lead characters. Oh, Definitely. And though I did think of Foggy, I also considered uh, Matt's girlfriend, the district
0: attorney, uh, Kristen McDuffie, as as a choice because she's a really great character. I thought about Falcon as well because he came up this year, you know, but he's not really a supporting character anymore.
1: But for me, it just felt like moments for supporting characters to really shine seemed kind of few and far between, Mm -hmm. at least in solo books, right? So I kind of went outside the normal, our our normal wheelhouse. I I left the superheroes behind. And I got my choice for Golden Beppo from The Private Eye by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. And I'm giving my Beppo to Gramps.
0: That's a great choice.
1: The elderly hipster tattooed (laughs) hipster he's great the the old man uh, the opposite of the old man today who doesn't understand how iPods and laptops work he's like (laughs) this guy doesn't understand why his iPod doesn't work (laughs)
0: yeah
1: and I think that's awesome like what happens when Matt and I get old It's great. I love that character. It's happening right now. Right. Uh, And he's, you know, stands in defiance of authority and he's,
0: uh, he doesn't take any senior citizen punk rocker. Basically, Uh, He's He's great.
1: Really, really, really cool. And I love that character. He gets my Beppo this year.
0: Cue the sad music and let's take a moment to remember those we lost in 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the in memoriam section of the Golden Beppos, where we discuss the best death of 2014. Joe Patrick, I know you cried your way through a few of these. <laughs> Who gets your best death, Beppo? I thought about this one long and hard. I did too, and I had an answer instantly, I changed it last night.
1: I had an answer instantly as well, and I thought about it and then changed it. Before you get to that, who's your runner up? Who was it? Okay, my original was going to be Wolverine. Mine too. Okay, that was mine. Because I just really liked that story. It was great. As far as gimmicks go, and we all know it is one. It was a great It was gimmick. very it was well, well executed told, well, by Charles yeah, Soule.
0: Well-drawn. Steve, Steve McNiven. McNiven.
1: I thought it was a really good send-off to a character that, for me, has really been struggling. Uh, I have not cared Agreed. about his solo adventures in... I'd say years at Totally this point. agree
0: And it's too bad That Charles Soule Got a hold of him Just in time to kill him You're right
1: <laughs> But it was a really great A really great series A really great uh, Send off for the character But If I really had to Consider which death Meant the most to me That hit me the hardest I have to say That it's Archie
0: Andrews That's who I picked too
1: Oh i had to go with archie andrews the death of archie andrews and because when i when i first thought of wolverine i'd initially i forgot about archie and it was only after reflecting on it that it popped back into my head i was like oh my gosh yeah that was so well
0: handled incredible it really was
1: it was the sort of book that you could pick up with
0: no connection to archie whatsoever right well and also nobody saw it coming we didn't know this was a thing. Well, we all knew it was happening. But, I mean, until it was solicited, it was <laughs> right. like, what? You're right.
1: Gonna, you're going to kill Archie? That issue of life with Archie was the sort of issue where you could pick that up with no prior knowledge of the character, and then by the time it got to the death scene, understand why that character was important. Right. And why people loved him, and why he was an icon.
0: It was also the culmination of the whole future Archie. Yes, Archie the Archie as an adult. Betty, Mar- Archie marries Veronica, right? And they all came together with his death.
1: Oh, and I thought it wove those two timelines together seamlessly. It incredible. gave yeah. you a clue which one was the quote unquote right future. Right. You know, it left it ambiguous. It had the perfect closing line where he he says out loud, "I've always loved you," but you don't know who he says it to. Yeah. Ah, uh, man! A, it was a great death. It was a tearjerker, man. I love that comic. I love that scene. I love Archie. Archie Andrews gets my Beppo for best death.
0: All right, and yours a two apparently. Yes, mine too. Double best Beppo. Do- what? Double best Beppo.
1: <laughs> Enough of this sadness. Let's talk about the joys of life. Resurrection, or at, Every- least, or at least comebacks, or at least comebacks. <laughs> Every year we give a Golden Beppo out for the best return of 2014. It can be a character risen from the dead. It can be a series that has kind of come back from obscurity, relaunched with a new life. Matt Baum,
0: who gets your Beppo for best return? My best return goes to Moon Knight.
1: Mine too!
0: <laughs> We're both on the same page. Double, here. double best Beppo! <laughs> Warren Ellis and Declan Shabley reinvented my favorite Batman ripoff while maintaining his multiple personality disorder. We got to see it carried out in a different way, though. This wasn't like Lunatic Moon Knight cutting people's faces off and talking to himself or thinking he's right. Spider Man. This was. Moon Knight, who is a detective, and Moon Knight, who is a superhero, and Moon Knight, who is a street brawler. You know, we get to see the three aspects of his personality really fleshed out in different one-shot issues that uh, Shavley and Warren Ellis wrote. And then Wood took over, and we started to get a continuing storyline, and it got even better. Yeah, yes. It was hard to believe, but it got even
1: better. I will tell you that I initially put Peter Parker... In for Best Return? I did too. And then just this morning, I finished catching up on Brian Wood's Moon Knight. It's
0: fantastic.
1: And if you dropped that book
0: after Warren Ellis left,
1: you made a mistake.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And Greg Smallwood, who I've never really heard of. Before. Uh, He
1: drew that miniseries Dream Thief, which we reviewed number oh, one and of. That was, yeah, it was really and, good. Uh, yes, I love Greg Smallwood. Yeah. Warren Ellis' run on Moon Knight is wonderful. Six one-shot issues of just superhero, mercenary badassery. But it wasn't until Brian Wood took over that he was able to present a take on Moon Knight's alternate personalities. Yeah. That really resonated with me. And works. Yes. He's not a lunatic. (laughs) I've said before that I'm not a fan of the crazy aspect of Moon Knight, the multiple
0: personality thing. Yeah, I don't need to see bipolar Batman.
1: Yes, but the way Brian Wood pulled it off, and the subtle cues to like which you've got the, the aspect of him that's like Konshu, you've yeah. got the aspect of him that's Jake Lockley, the mercenary. You've got the well, Mark Spector is kind well, of the detective. Mark Spector, the the billionaire guy yeah. that rides around in the limo with the suit, and then there's the one I oh, Stephen Grant, the superhero. Yeah, you've got these different aspects, different uh, takes on the character, all existing together. And seamlessly and very subtly flashing between them, back and forth between them. Yeah. Wonderfully done. Excellent job with Moon Knight this year, guys. He gets London my bad too.
0: One of America's two most powerful villains of the next decade is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. What would comics be without heroes and villains? It's time for Joe and I to hoist the awards for our favorite heroes and villains of 2014 joe patrick why don't you start us off with the bad guys who gets your beppo for best villain
1: i struggled with this one because 2014 was kind of a year th- there were a lot of villains being good guys yeah. this year <laughs> and vice versa too. right you've got your usual suspects running around doing stuff thanos is out there You've got uh, good guys doing bad things, and and you can consider that if you wanted to. But for me, I gave my golden beppo for best villain to a kind of unlikely source. Okay. I recently caught up on James Robinson's
0: Fantastic Four. Okay. That book is good. Really? It's really good. I totally dropped it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I stopped reading it after number one. I just couldn't keep up. Not that I didn't want to. I just... I didn't make the time and then I blinked my eyes and they were 14 issues in Yeah, and I have read all of them to date and I am giving my Beppo to the quiet man who is a new villain this year a character that's been slowly orchestrating the demise of the fantastic four for an entire
0: year is he brand new? Yeah. Okay, I've never heard of The Quiet Man.
1: But he's been behind the scenes this entire time. Since Robinson started his run, this character, The Quiet Man, is responsible for everything that's happened to the team. Well, now I'm going to have to catch up on this. Great. The reason why he has chosen to uh, take out the Fantastic Four is very simple and very... uh, You could almost call it cheesy. Uh, I won't spoil it, but... his motivations are clear. The way he's inserted himself into the life of the Fantastic Four has been just diabolical. And he has done some terrible things. Johnny lost his powers. Yeah. Reed and Sue got their kids taken away. Ben went to prison. Like Things have gone really bad for these guys. And it's all because of this guy, the Quiet Man.
0: Some bitch. And he gets my Beppo. Well, that sounds it's like been a great read. One nasty villain. Matt Baum, who gets yours? Mine goes to a little more down-to-earth villain. I'm giving mine to Coach Boss from Southern Bastards. <laughs> he's your atypical, white, power-hungry, mean, southern bitch, And he's not only the coach of the beloved Running Rebels high school football team, he also secretly runs everything that is mean and nasty that's going on in Craw County. The first four issues of Southern Bastards sort of introduce two characters, Earl Tubbs, our main character, and Coach Boss, who is the bad guy. And man, I have not met a nastier character in comics in a long time. Loved him; he was my best villain for 2014.
1: Are you caught up on Southern Bastards? I am, because I am not. I am, uh, but I heard that the recent issues really gave you a reason to care about. That's
0: Coach Boss. Well, not beyond actually, the fact that he's not just so this much nasty. Guy. Care about him, but. Understand, understand his motivations, which makes him even more interesting of a character.: Awesome. Like they, don't, they definitely don't paint him as a good guy.: <laughs> Yes,
1: you're a hero. What is a good villain, if not a foil, for a great hero? Wow. Isn't that, right? That's sure. deep. That is deep. This year, as every year, we award a Beppo for Best Hero of 2014 Matt Baum.
0: Who is your favorite hero? I know that you struggled with this, and so did I. I did. Really, really struggled with this. I almost said Silver Surfer, because I love Dan Slott and Mike Elward's Silver Surfer so much. And I would argue one of those characters that's intensely difficult to write. And they're killing it. Absolutely killing it. But, ultimately, I had to go with your best new character. I had to give it to Kamala Khan. Interesting. Miss Marvel. I mean, it started off as what seemed like it could have been... Sort of uh, a stunt, but it's been so well handled and so well done. G. Willow Wilson is killing it on this book. And I'll be honest, I was an naysayer at first. I fought it for a while. Like, I'm not going to read some kid's book starring a little girl. It's excellent. It's really good. Yeah, it's an amazing book. And you have
1: me kind of doubting my own choice, but I thought about it long and hard. Gross. <laughs> I have to give my best hero to Daredevil. Okay.
0: That was definitely up there for me too.
1: I've just really enjoyed the the personal arc that that character has traveled. Him having to finally and definitively out himself as a superhero. Well, it was just what else do you do uproot his
0: life? I like that they just grabbed hold of it and said, "Okay, this is dumb. Everybody knows he's Daredevil. Let's just do it." You know.
1: Uh well and it's not only that but I've just really enjoyed the journey that that character's on. Not only do I love what's happening with him, but his supporting cast is great. Oh yeah, and his villains are great. Oh yeah, and that's what makes that what makes a great hero and
0: is plucking all him out of, of those New elements. York and dropping him in San in San Francisco could have been a huge mistake and a stunt, but it's been so well done. Right, and
1: they did that fish out of water thing. Yeah. for a minute. But it never overstayed its welcome, yeah. you know He's Daredevil, he's capable He'll get the hang of living right. in San Francisco Right And I just, I love it he gets, He's my best hero That's a great choice be
0: It's time to move away from the characters we love so much And start talking about the books that they live in As usual, we start with our best new series and this was a huge year for new series. Image Comics alone put out like 700. <laughs> Most of them are great. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Joe Patrick, you've sorted through your stack. You've read a bunch of new comics this year. Yeah. Who gets your best new series?
1: It was a no-brainer for me. My best new series of 2014
0: is Ms. Marvel. Oh, that's a great choice.
1: This was going to become apparent, As the awards go on and I feel kind of guilty about it every year, but we'll say stuff like my best, my favorite writer is so-and-so but my favorite series is not the book he writes. Right. (laughs) Right? Or my favorite character, uh, my favorite hero is Daredevil, but my favorite series is not Daredevil. (laughs) I I
0: think that's perfectly allowed, though.
1: Uh, But it's because there are so many great books to talk about. Right.
0: And I want to give an award to all of them. And that's exactly where I was. That's the nature of of the beast. It's like, okay, we can't just give it all to be like, it's this, 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 this. And so
1: I'm going to go ahead and spoil. My favorite series of 2014 Mm -mm. is not Ms. Marvel.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: Because I had a... Th- a perfect place to put it in the awards right right i had a, a perfect award to hand to and say good you know what you're my favorite new book there you go and next year maybe miss marvel's my favorite series of the entire year hey. but when you when there are so many quality books yeah and you can't give an award to everything you really gotta like split of hairs <laughs>
0: well and a lot of stuff just came out too it's like we're, we're only two or three issues deep into some of this stuff and it seems like it's going to be great, but right. we don't know yet.
1: But a little bit about the book itself. It just feels genuine exploration of what would really happen if a teen character suddenly woke up with superpowers. Yeah,
0: and it's also like a, a really nice, fresh take on the Marvel Universe, too. Yeah, through like the eyes of through. somebody
1: yeah. that's a fan, right? Right. Comics Alliance, I believe, they do a kind of a tongue-in-cheek awards thing every year. And this year, they gave her the award for Best New Superhero slash fan writer <laughs> not <laughs> slash fiction that's different <laughs> yeah and i think that's hilarious that ms marvel is a superhero groupie yeah big time and like she meets wolverine and it has it totally spins her
0: head off yeah she ran around with spider-man freaked out for a yeah. while <laughs>
1: it, i just love that character and for me and we're gonna touch on this again in a minute but i was really drawn to books that are just fun yeah. this year yeah. I love grand superhero epics and I love the cosmic odysseys and all that stuff I love drama and I love the heaviness but I just have really started to appreciate books that I can read and feel good about No, absolutely. and Ms. Marvel is the number one book in that arena for me right now.
0: That's a, that's a great choice
1: Matt Bomb which series
0: gets your Beppo for best new book I sorted of through a, a bunch of different series and ultimately I kept coming back to one and I have to give my best new series to Sex Criminals from Matt Fraction and Chib Zadarsky. It is... Confession. I'm not caught up. It is such a wonderful book. And I've only read no, the first two issues. There is nothing like it on the stands. They are doing something wholly different than any comic book I've ever read. And dealing with sex in a way that is so candid that it it makes you wonder why we're all so prude and, like, afraid to talk about this shit, you know? It's not pornography by any means. This is not like an Alan Moore exploration of like female genitalia, you know? Like, no. Gross. This is two people who are just like everyone else you know who hook up and they just happen to have this power where when they orgasm, they stop time. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that if I ever heard Alan Moore say the word genitalia, it would ruin my life. (laughs) Sex Criminals is a wonderful book. It's very human. It's funny. It's sad. And it's Just so well executed every month. I just caught up. Like I read uh, the last six issues and man, they've just figured out that they're not alone with their powers and there's a bigger story going on. And now it's moving. It's still very human, but it's moving into a little conspiratorial territory. If Matt Fraction never writes another superhero comic book again, I'm okay with it. As long as he keeps putting out high quality stuff like this. It's wonderful. Sex criminals. My best new series. All right. There you go.
1: Well done. We've all got our little favorite books. You might call it a guilty pleasure, but there's no reason to feel guilty. No. These are the books that you feel are deserving of wider attention. The best book you're not reading. Matt Bomb, who gets your golden bebo for this year?
0: This one was really easy for me. It's Zero from Image Comics, written by Ailes Cott. He has developed a mind-bending and terrifyingly lonely world for Agent Edward Zero, who's been raised from childhood to be the perfect super agent. He lives one job at a time, and issue by issue, we get small glimpses into his past as we're seeing how what's going on in the present. There's a different artist and a completely different feel for each story, but it still stays very rooted in the mythos of this character. And it's set apart from other spy books in the sense that Edward Zero is a deeply damaged person that is investigating his own psyche while doing his job. And man, it is so well written. I love that book. It's it's beautiful to look at. It's terrifying. It's violent. It's action packed, but it's also very thought provoking. This is a writer playing in their sandbox at their best. I love it. Zero. I love that book too, and I've gotten way
1: behind unfortunately, but Zero number two got my Beppo for best single issue of twenty thirteen last year.
0: That's right. It did. Yeah. It was a badass issue.
1: Trad Mordred. Oh,
0: so good. Yeah. That book is incredible. Joe Patrick, what gets a Beppo for your best series that other people need to be but are not necessarily reading?
1: One of these <laughs> days we'll figure out how to shorten that. Speaking of books. That make me feel good and that are fun to read. My best series that more people need to be reading is: "Teen Dog." <laughs> Teen Dog? <Nice>. Teen Dog." <laughs> by Jake Lawrence. Yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> that book God damn it.
0: I'm so glad Teen Dog won an award. <laughs> <laughs> That's great)
1: There's nothing to know about Teen Dog. No. Nope. The, you don't need to know anything going into it. You don't need to read one, In two, fact, and three.
0: if you do know something going into it, you might not read it.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Teen Dog is exactly what it, what it says. Yeah. It's just the adventures of a teenaged dog. He's the coolest dude at Tantamount High School. <laughs> He's got a best friend who's a rocker chick.
0: There's a girl star quarterback on the football team. There's a pug that hates him. Thug pug. <laughs> but even thug pug. Thug pug almost got my best villain. <laughs> but, but even thug pug,
1: there's a little, there's a little, you know, a little he's, brightness to he, thug well, pug. He's
0: jealous. That's all. Yeah, he's, he's jealous.
1: Teen dog is just, it, it's a book that you can pick up at, at any time at, on any issue and just read a, a series of of. It's not even a story, really. No. I don't even know how to describe it's it.
0: It's wonderful and stupid in the best way. Right, you exactly, I mean? exactly. It's like the, a the best kind of stupid. <laughs> yeah, yes.
1: It's just, it's fun. It's fun and it's heartfelt and it feels good. Every time I read it, I'm happy about it. Yeah, it's a great book. And
0: I'm telling you, no one is buying it. Yeah, unfortunately. But that's also like a really, really hard book to market. Sure. Uh, you know, I get it, man. Like, it just, it, that's not one you can put in people's hands. It just has to fall into the right hands. Right. And then when it does, they're going to be like, this is totally rad. Right. <laughs> <You
1: know? laughs> yes, Teen Dog is rad.
0: It is. There's no better way to describe it. If
1: you like books that are rad, <laughs> if you like books that make you feel good, then you should buy Teen
0: Dog. There you go.
1: Background for the crossover.
0: This year, we were almost overwhelmed by a flood of crossovers and event books. Some were great, others, not so much. Most were not. But two of them are about to get awards for what (laughs) they tried to do. Joe Patrick, what was your best crossover slash event book of 2014?
1: All right, now this might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm counting it as an event. Okay. I'm giving my best event beppo to the multiversity from dc comics i'm fine with that written by grant morrison with a rotating uh team of artists it started strong started weird it strong and weird (laughs) just like everything morrison has ever done yep with uh an issue drawn by ivan rice they've gotten they've just gotten better every time they've come out yeah and now it's to the point that every issue of multiversity that comes out is my
0: new favorite issue of multiversity it's incredible it's basically Grant Morrison showing everyone I can do the DC universe better than you,
1: right? And it's not even the DC universe as no. the thing. It's here's a world where it's on, uh pulp adventure heroes and Doctor Fate wears jodpers, and here is a world where. Uh, Captain Marvel is still like the faucet. Captain Marvel. That yeah. was the most recent one. Man, that and was
0: Thunderworld. That was Thunder World. so good. Oh, and it might be my favorite issue of Multiversity. It's Grant Morrison showing everyone that there's nothing wrong with Captain Marvel. Just do him the way that he used to be done. Right. That's it. And
1: the issue before that, the Pax Americana issue, is on many reputable comic sites best of lists for best single issue of the year. Yeah and i really thought about it for mine as well i'm not even sure if i know what's really happening and it almost doesn't matter and i don't mean that to i don't mean to say that like it's hard to comprehend there's an overarching plot that something's going on and there's this comic book that's uh, appearing in all of these different universes there's um, a terrible threat that's about to eat the multiverse who cares every issue of the multiversity is wonderful Even the issue I thought I'd hate, which was all about stupid, vapid teen heroes uh, living celebrity culture uh, lives. It was wonderful. Ben Oliver drew it. It was a great book. I just think right now, it's definitely the best thing DC's doing. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt.
0: Without a doubt. Matt Baum, what's your best event of the year? When I start thinking about events or crossovers, they live and die, basically, with their continuity. And if you're going to do a big company sprawling thing as Marvel tried to do most recently that totally fell flat with access, you've got to pay attention and you've got to get everybody on board. And I don't think anyone is doing that better right now than Valiant comics. I'm giving my best crossover slash event to unity at Valiant comics because they have quietly taken that book, which is a series and incorporated almost, I think six or seven different Valiant books into it. Exo Manowar has assembled a team of people to go and kill Toyo Harada, who is effectively the most powerful person in the Unity. In the Unity U. It's so goddamn good. Beautiful art, held together so well in its continuity. They are paying so much attention to that universe. They've quietly been kicking ass over at Valiant, and I can't get enough of it. Gets my Beppo for best crossover event. I'll allow it. All right. Let's talk about story time. Can't have good comics without good stories. The ebb and flow of comic storytelling can lift a series to greatness or drop it into the world of the new 52. Joe Patrick, what gets your best story arc for 2014? All
1: right, my best story arc of the year... Was a strong contender for best crossover slash event okay. of the year. But like I said earlier, with having to split hairs and shoehorn things into certain categories, I decided to put this one here, and that is Spider Verse, uh, primarily because it is, while it is crossing over with multiple titles, the Spider Man corner of the universe is really a self contained. Yeah, animal. it really is. I just think Dan Slot has been killing it again. And continues to kill it, month after month, story after story, with Amazing Spider-Man. And this is probably the most ambitious story he's ever yeah, done. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Every like,
0: Spider-Man ever. You don't have to do like this. He could just quietly keep giving us great stories about Peter Parker being Peter Parker, and we loved it. And he's decided to go huge. Right. <laughs> like, universe-spanning huge. And it's great.
1: Yeah, I just... It, it's It's really fun. And... Slot is able to embrace continuity and uh, put a s- different spin on, like how can you do a comic book featuring a thousand versions of the same character and have yeah. them all seem different?
0: Yeah, and not just because of what they're wearing. Yeah, different voice, different character. It's and not th- not to mention that, but he's done a great job working with all the other writers and editors. Yes. that are working on this yes. as well to keep everything tight and cohesive, and it's all been good. This is one of those rare exceptions where. All the spin-offs have been good.
1: And Slot has also used this storyline as an opportunity to bring depth to a character that I kind of hated, uh, which is Moreland, yeah. a villain from J. Michael Straczynski's run. Uh, I didn't originally hate him, but it, he was kind of born out of that whole...
0: Spider totem. That bullshit. whole, yes.
1: And you know what? That's present here in Spider-Verse. It, but for some reason, I I feel like a slot is handling it better. Well, they're subtly
0: tweaking it, right? So it's not necessarily like a force of nature type, bullshit. right? Like it's something else.
1: But now you know, Moreland Moreland is part of a, a family of hunters, and they're all terrifying, and they're all traversing the multiverse. Yeah, you know, killing Peter Parkers or or Spider Totems, I guess. Yeah, and. I just really love the depth he's brought to those
0: villains. Who's your favorite Spider? You can't pick Pete.
1: You know, I really loved uh, the Captain Universe Spider Man. Okay, uh, you put me on the spot.
0: I want Peter Braddock. I love him. Oh I, yeah, uh, <laughs> he's a Captain Britain Spider Man. Spider UK. I think is <laughs> yeah, what they call. it was great. <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: I really liked the Captain the Captain Universe uh, Spider Man who like couldn't leave his universe. Yeah, and I loved how they did that because of course. If you really have a character on your team that's Captain Universe, right. that fight is over. Well, and I like
0: that he's powered by his universe, and if he leaves his universe, he doesn't have any power. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, he's just a but, guy. <laughs> and,
1: and so that's why I uh, love how they did that, and so they used his universe as a safe haven for all the spiders to go to, and of course it didn't all work out. Uh, Spoilers. But <laughs> yeah, I, Spider-Verse has been so good. It has been great. And I can't wait to see where it goes and how it ends. It's my favorite story arc of the year so far. Well, no. It's my favorite story arc of the year. So far. 2014 is (laughs) over. (laughs)
0: There's still a few I got to get to. Matt Bomb, what gets your Beppo for best story arc of the year? I thought about Spider-Verse as well because it's so ambitious, but I figured one of us was going to talk about it. So I went for something a little more street level. I'm going with Southern Bastards. Here was a man. This is the first four issues of Jason Aaron's Southern Bastards where we are introduced Main character, Earl Tubbs, who returns home after his father has died to auction off his house or get, you know, and just get the hell out of Craw County and never come back, but ends up staying to deal with the menace of Coach Boss. And just like some of my favorite TV shows, Southern Bastards teaches you, don't fall in love with any characters. Uh. (laughs) This was just a fantastic introduction to this world corrupt Southern County, these horrible characters, and just when you think you've got a good guy, he kind of gets ripped right out from under your feet. An amazing storyline and a great intro. Southern Bastards, here was a man, gets my Beppo for best story arc.
1: Some comics come in, tell their story, and then get out before they've overstayed their welcome. Doesn't happen very often anymore. We call them miniseries, and every year we give a golden Beppo to the best miniseries of the year. <laughs> so I, did, I was really trying not to say year twice in okay. that sense. Matt Baum, what was your favorite
0: miniseries of 2014? I did think about this one, too, because there was a lot of really good miniseries that came out this year, but ultimately, I settled on Starlight from Image Comics. Mark Millar with amazing art by Gorlon Parlov showing everybody, except for Jeff Parker and Doc Shanier, exactly how Flash Gordon should be done. Close runner-up, though, really close runner-up. Rick Spears, The Auteur. That book was incredible. (laughs) Absolutely twisted and bizarre. But Starlight was just fantastic, and it showed us, Mark Millar showed us that he can still write feel-good comics, like traditional superhero feel-good comics, and kick ass at them. I feel like this was sort of him responding to a lot of his critics, and he killed it here. I loved Starlight. Joe Patrick, What's your best miniseries? My best miniseries of twenty fourteen
1: is the Private Eye. Did you just change it? Nope. Oh, okay. Oh, I did have some other contenders that I, I thought about giving it to the Midas Flesh, which was uh, that Boom miniseries that I really liked by Ryan North. Yeah, that was good. But when all was said and done, and the Private Eye is not over yet because unfortunately it does not come out on time. Exactly. But that's what you get. It's totally creator-owned. They're doing it at their own
0: pace. No rule. Get it when you get it.
1: But there's only one issue to go. Uh, On the strength of the nine issues that have come out, The Private Eye has been the most wonderful hard-boiled detective story. It's not hard-boiled. It's probably the wrong word for it because the lead character, Patrick Immelman... Is not exactly hard Let's
0: call it a uh, meta. Yeah, sure. It's a very meta detective story.
1: I, I just have really enjoyed Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin's take on the noir detective. Yeah. Uh, it's set in the future world where, uh, no, it's pretty, well, I mean. Like maybe 15 years. Well, more like 60 years. Like people that are our age now are in their oh, okay. golden Oh, okay. That's years, fair. That's right? fair. And so it's set in a world where the cloud had a catastrophic failure and everyone's private secrets were leaked out in the world, into the world for all to see. Uh, and it's this cautionary tale about trusting technology and what happens to the world when it fails so badly that people have to retreat back into their private lives. Like they are desperate, desperate to reclaim Any sort of sense of private identity that they completely lost when all their dirty secrets were brought to light. Uh, It's uh, it's a wonderful story. It's my favorite mini of the year.
0: It's a good one. What's better than one hero in a comic book? How about a team of heroes? Huh? More than one. (laughs) More than one. It's time to talk about the best team book of 2014. Joe Patrick, who's your favorite super team this year? You know, this one I struggled with a lot. Team books were tough this year.
1: And it's not that there aren't good ones, but I feel like a lot of the usual contenders, like ones that maybe I would have picked last year, are still wallowing in the same stuff they've been wallowing in. That's fair. Uh, Especially the Avengers books and the X-Men books, uh, which I do love, and I still love them. Very good. But we're on like year three now of this epic thing happening in, in Avengers, and the uncanny x-men time lost nonsense is still the same story that we've been in yeah and while i'm enjoying it it's just hard to get super excited about it and so i went with a book that i just recently got caught up on and i talked about it a little bit earlier fantastic four wow yeah wow i just think it's so well done okay and James Robinson has been toiling away, and Leonard Kirk, who I love, uh, has been toiling away at this book almost with no buzz behind it at all.
0: Well, Marvel's canceling it. Give me for the <laughs>
1: Except for the idea that it's getting canceled or whatever's happening. Yeah. And no one's, I don't think anyone's paying attention to this book, and he's just quietly telling a really great mystery story and he's been doing it for the entire run. It's one long-form story. And though there are arcs within it that you can focus on, uh, he's just got a real firm handle on the characters. Uh, he knows how to embrace the history of the characters. Like, Heroes Reborn elements are popping up
0: in, in the book. Man, now I've got to catch up on this. I, it. Like,
1: I'm tickled by it. and. He does it in a way that like you don't have to feel bogged down by it. It's okay if you don't know what Heroes Reborn is, but I do. And so it's a it's a special treat for me the way he handles the history. And you know, I know I beat the Starman drum all the time, but it's sort of like what he did in Starman in the sense that like Yeah. he was able to latch on to the history of that particular group of characters right. and spin it to great effect and he's doing it here. I love Fantastic Four. I think it's wonderful.
0: All right. All right. I'll catch up on it. What about you? What book gets your bevel for best team book? While I agree with you that Jonathan Hickman's Avengers has been sort of uh, not floundering. No. But wandering around. I (laughs) I didn't mean any of that in a dismissive (laughs) way. It's just. I thought about giving new Avengers best team book. Because I feel like that is the one book where he's allowed to just go crazy with these characters. And I love the twists and turns we've had this year. But ultimately, I had to go with somebody else completely different. I chose BPRD as my best team book. I love it. John Arcudi and Mike McNola took a huge chance with this book by taking Abe Sapien and Hellboy out of it. They're gone. They are not in this book. Yeah. It is a group of agents, mostly human <laughs> agents, from the BPRD, and it's never been better. The book is continually fantastic every month. The Hell on Earth storyline has not gotten old and just proven that there's no rules to this book whatsoever. Not to mention the fact that it's beautiful to look at. Absolutely incredible art. James Heron and Tyler Crook have been doing the art, and they are unstoppably good. And I can't believe that the verse continually finds these guys that fit so well into the feel of the book. BPRD is my best team book of the year.
1: I love it, and I feel like I would have been tempted to do that as well, but I'm I'm so far behind. Fair enough.
0: It's a crying shame. Every once in a while, Joe Patrick and I sit down, and we read ourselves a whole damn graphic novel for a little segment we call Take a Look, It's in a Book. And at the end of the year, it's time for us to decide what was 2014's best graphic novel. And this was a fantastic year for graphic novels. Yeah, I know. It was really hard. There were so many ones. It was really hard ones. to
1: pick one. Like, I had three different choices written down here. And even as I'm saying this sentence, I'm still not 100% sure about my pick. <laughs> okay. Alright. But I think I'm giving my favorite graphic novel of 2014 to Seconds by Brian
0: Lee O'Malley. I was, I was really close to doing that.
1: I also, I also had on my list, uh, the shadow hero by Gene Luen Yang and Sonny Liu, which I loved. It was great. I loved that book. And then I thought, Oh, but how can I not give it to Andre the giant by box Brown? But then I remembered seconds and seconds is a wonderful story. And beautifully drawn, just as you would expect from Brian Lee O'Malley. But the reason I think it gets my favorite graphic novel of the year, why it edges out other books that I loved, is that it showed that Brian Lee O'Malley is not a one-trick pony. Yeah, absolutely. He was able to come back with a second, well, seventh <laughs> or eighth or whatever graphic novel. Scott Pilgrim wasn't his only, the only trick up his sleeve, you know? Right. Uh, and he did lost at sea before Scott Pilgrim and that book is great too, but everyone was looking at this book, you know,
0: wondering, can he do it again? Right. And he did, but he didn't go for the lightning in a bottle thing either. No, he didn't go back to Scott Pilgrim. He told us a totally different story.
1: Right. And I just, I have all the respect in the world. For his talent and for what he for what he was able to do, and it was probably super tempting for him to just churn out another like oh, fan sure. service
0: kind of thing. And he could make a ton of money doing and it,
1: and people would love it, and it would probably be great. But instead, he took a totally different path and put out a wonderful graphic novel. Yeah,
0: it was daring; it really was.
1: And I loved it. So seconds gets my pick. Matt Baum, what was your favorite graphic novel?
0: I had to go with Andre the Giant: Life and Legend. It was really hard for me Brown. not to pick it. That was a it was a beautiful book. It was so well put together and put together in a way that Box Brown came right out and said look this isn't history this is what I gleaned from a bunch of information from wrestlers talking basically and we get a look into the life and the man that was Andre the Giant and it it was just wonderful it was wonderful it tugged in my heartstrings as a young wrestling fan I Andre the Giant is just an amazing character in American pop culture and Bob box brown didn't pull any punches showed us that he was very human he made mistakes but he ultimately he was a good guy it was an incredible book just incredible
1: yeah i i totally agree and this is the sort of category where you know i I really wish i could give out multiple awards it, it, yeah. there,
0: there were no losers uh no 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 Definitely. Of,
1: of out of all the picks that i that i immediately popped into my head they were all deserving of the award
0: yeah definitely this was a tough one look at yourself dude. You're a winner.
1: our next award goes to the most improved of 2014 that could be a, a comic a creator a publisher anything goes who or what came back in a big way this year after maybe struggling a little bit
0: all right matt bomb who is your most improved of 2014 my award goes to tim seeley i have never paid a lot of attention to tim seeley when he was writing comics like Hack Slash, which I just didn't really care about. Although I've heard it is very well executed. With that said, I never paid much attention to him until he started working on Revival and Grayson at DC. And when I heard that Dick Grayson was no longer going to be Nightwing, my eyes rolled and I was just, whatever. Here's another more New 52 bull****. But that book is fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Tim Seeley is killing it there. That and his work on Revival, it's must-read stuff. And Tim is a guy that I had cast off as sort of cheesy cheesecake horror writer or whatever. Turns out, he's a really, really talented guy. He gets my most improved for 2014. I love it. Joe Patrick, who gets your most improved? My most improved Golden Beppo
1: goes to Superman, the character, and the book. <laughs> Superman, uh, man, we've talked about this at length, and I'm not going to get into it other than to say um, my love for Superman over the last several years has uh, faded almost completely. Yeah. Not that I don't love the character, but my my love of what DC has been doing with the character and my interest in following the character. They're making him hard to love. But uh, over the course of the last year, and it may have even started in late 2012, I'd have to go back and look, but... Um, uh, Greg Pak and Aaron Cooter took over Action Comics and very quietly turned that book into one of DC's best. Yeah, I gotta catch up.
0: I, I saw it on so many best of lists.
1: And then earlier this year, Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. took on Superman and have also delivered a really fine story with the character um, that's a little bit more true to form. It's still the same suit wearing nonsense that i hate. Yeah. But Superman feels more like Superman in the hands of these creators than he has in in 3 years. And I'm very happy about it. I'm thrilled by it and I'm just so thankful that somebody at DC woke up or yeah. something and 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 got the memo that nobody wants to read hard-edged young punk, you know, tough guy superman. I don't want to
0: read that character. <laughs> young punk communist superman. <laughs> I
1: Superman is a character that should feel timeless. If you want to say that he's a young man, that's fine, but I don't want to ever think about him as a young man. Yeah, we he's shouldn't a, be, he's we shouldn't an be icon. thinking about
0: his age. Right. He should be ageless.
1: He's an icon like Batman or Superman right. or <laughs> like Batman or Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel and when I have to stop and focus on... When creators stop and focus on showing me how young and relevant he is, I tune right out. Yeah. I'm not interested in Don't it. Don't care. Because Superman's relevance is not about his age and how he relates. Right. I'm very thankful for what these creators have done to the character.
0: It's my most improved to 2014. It's a good choice. Thank you. Before we get into our Creator Awards, let's take a break and talk about... The 4th Annual THN Listener's Choice Awards for 2014. That's right. We put out a questionnaire. We want to know your best writer, your best artist, and your best series. And here is what you guys had to say. I am impressed. I am too. Because out of
1: all of the people that voted in this year's Listener's Choice Awards, the choices are very scattered. Yeah. In a way that just really shows how great comics are right now.
0: Right. How much good stuff there is out there.
1: And how any book can be someone's favorite. Sure. And, you know, last year and the year before, it was very easy to say, oh, yeah, best writer, Brian K. Vaughn. Best book saga, you know? Yeah. Like, there were certain things that just seemed like no-brainers. But this year, people, they were really varied in their choices. I was very impressed by it. After tallying all the votes... The Listener's Choice Award for Best Writer goes to
0: Jason Aaron. It's a great choice. Writer of Southern Bastards. It's a really good choice. A close second, Matt Fraction. He also gave us Original Sin this year. Yeah, well, no one's perfect. Original Sin was all right. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was okay. No, it wasn't. It didn't end well. It was bad.
1: (laughs) Matt Fraction's a close second. Okay. Dude writes a lot of stuff. Sex Criminals, Odyssey. But the usual suspects, the people that I thought, oh, for sure, it's going to be, they they just, they didn't get the votes, man. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Hickman and Brian K. Vaughn and Ed Brubaker and Charles Soule. Uh, like a lot of people.
0: Uh, anyway, Charles all- Soule almost got my most improved, but I thought to myself, well, that guy's never been bad. Bro, <laughs> <Well>, yeah. <laughs> like from day one. This is a, this
1: list of names is really great and there's a lot of heavy hitter talent on this writer's list and for Aaron to pull it out with one vote. Wow. Speaks to his talent. There you go. The dudes, uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a little spoiler. Okay. Jason Aaron is relaunching star Wars Mm -hmm. for Marvel in, uh, not this coming Wednesday, but a week from
0: Wednesday. It's going to be the year of Jason Aaron.
1: I have already read star Wars. Number one. Oh, and it, was amazing so i'm not going to say anything more than that because i'm sure i'll talk about it on the show oh yeah oh yeah but jason aaron is really killing it and i think you're right 2015 is his year yeah who
0: gets our listeners choice awards for best
1: artist this list is also all over the place yeah a lot of great artists. i think it's really awesome and i think that this guy may have won last year or at least he got one of ours the listener's choice for favorite artist is
0: chris somni artists of daredevil uh, he did win something last year he did yeah i don't remember that's and a great choice
1: i think it's great yeah uh, i love that choice again he wins by one vote narrowly beating out Matteo scalera yeah. for black science yeah andrea sorrentino uh who drew green arrow and oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just got done doing the the x-men annuals mm-hmm. and fifi stapes artist's of saga we're not doing that remember we are doing it <laughs> no you we are. <laughs> we are doing it and somebody on uh, the facebook page voted for her in that style
0: oh great yeah great. it's a thing now and then finally your choice for best series this had to have been a tough one nerds but what? who came out on top nobody nobody nobody
1: A three-way tie. Oh, man. (laughs) A three-way tie. There are 20 different books on this list of titles that people voted for this year. That's awesome. And only three of them got multiple votes. Okay. And those three books are
0: Saga. Of course. Daredevil. And Rat Queens. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Okay. I think it's great. That's great. A three-way split. I love it.
1: But, I mean, look at the, the list. Ms. Marvel, East of West, Uncanny Avengers, Cobra, The Massive, Deadly Class, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Southern Bastards, Star Wars, The Brian Wood Star Wars.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of, all of the above. Definitely.
1: Uh, but then you've got stuff like The Mercenary Sea, somebody picked for their favorite. It was good. Transformers More Than Meets the Eye. The best Transformers
0: comic I've ever read.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just, there are so many great titles on this list, and I think it's so awesome that it wasn't just everybody voting for the same thing. Yeah. It was so varied, and I think it's great. Those titles barely edged it out, and there is no clear winner. I think everyone's
0: a winner. Okay. Thank you for everybody who voted this year for the 2014 Listener Awards. We don't have a show without you guys and your opinions, and we love to hear a you. But now it's time to move into the home stretch, we give out our Creator Awards followed by The Big Ones, Best Single Issue and Best Series of 2014. Let's start with creators. Joe Patrick, comic books are fun when they're in black and white. Don't get me wrong. They can be. But coloring them is truly an art, and colorists don't get enough props. Who was your best color for 2014?
1: It's funny, because I was thinking about past Beppo ceremonies, and I feel like we probably just automatically give the award every year to Dave Stewart.
0: Yeah, for coloring the BBRD books? It's hard not to. The guy is so damn good, but that's not just it. He colors all kinds of stuff, and it's fantastic. But I think that if
1: you can single out one type of creator in 2014 and say that this is the year that people really started paying attention to this type of work, I think Colorist is is that position, Uh, because... There have been like really fancy you know, painted color and, and uh, computer-aided color for many, many years now, and people have done exceptional work, mm-hmm. but this year, I think people started really focusing on the work of the colorist. Oh, I
0: think there's a lot more experimentation this year with color as well.
1: I think it's awesome. My favorite colorist of the year
0: is Jordi Belair. That's who I picked. You know I- why? Because Jordi Belair worked on everything. Literally everything you like (laughs) She was there Moon Knight The Massive Uh, Flash Gordon Tooth and Claw Pretty Deadly Tooth and Claw Like she was everywhere And like on over These are books that are on Everybody's best of list You know Wildly talented And You don't see a lot of female colorists In the business Well And also
1: A lot of times uh, Something that's becoming more and more prevalent Is artists coloring
0: their own work Right and uh, especially in, on indie books. When well, I considered that, like, is there an artist that does such a good job with their own colors that they should win it? But I ended up going with Jordi Belair because she's just a chameleon and she can make anybody look fantastic.
1: Yeah. And I just am in love with her style. It's yeah. for the most part, it's very soft and it's got kind of like a graininess to it that kind of reminds me of the old style with okay. the dots. Okay. You know, but not in not in that kind of throwbacky way. Like it's just, Transformers
0: versus GI Joe by Tom Scioli. Right, or, right. Yeah. Uh,
1: it's just it's got a um, a texture to it almost. Sure. That makes it look you know like watercolor a lot of times, and I just really love the way she uses color and shading and lighting and yeah. Um, and like you said, she is a chameleon, and and she's able to do different things on different books and and sometimes her books look totally different in fact pretty deadly i hated the colors really i did i thought they were super saturated nonsense i i really thought that that book was ugly really which stylistically it was not for me i thought it was gorgeous sure and I just, I didn't care for I didn't for it. love the
0: story, but I thought the, <laughs> sure. the art was gorgeous. But
1: I don't, I don't mean that to say that it wasn't competently done. I just thought that stylistically, I didn't care for it. Okay. But I think that if I'm putting a positive spin on it, it speaks to Jordy Belair's ability to adapt from
0: story to story. Yeah.
1: And maybe I didn't like that one. But hey, she was able to do something different that fit what that story right.
0: needed. I also think that's the way I lend a lot more credence to colors, to colorists that work with other artists than artists that color themselves. Because not necessarily that it's easier, but an artist that color th- themselves knows exactly what they want to do. It's in their head. It's them. That's right. fine. Whereas she's stepping in with several, several different creators and really making them all shine. That's not an easy task.
1: You know, I'm I'm an artistic sort from time to time. And nothing about comic book making baffles me more than coloring. Yeah. I, I have the utmost respect for people that have that ability because it's not just filling in
0: shapes with color. No, and can still do new things with coloring that we haven't seen it's before. It's
1: so much more complicated than it might look in the finished product. Absolutely. And for somebody to be able to execute it on the level that Jordi Belair does it, give her all the awards. Oh,
0: yeah. Change the book. By looking at the cover.
1: They say you should never judge a book by its cover, but let's be real, we do it all the time. We do it every Wednesday. <laughs> we give an award every year to the best cover
0: artist in comics, Matt Bomb. Who is your best cover artist for 2014? I thought about this a lot because there's so many people doing really good stuff, but ultimately I am giving it to the same person I gave it to last year because I don't think anyone does it better. Francesco Francavia is my favorite cover artist of the year. The guy makes everything look awesome. Comics, I don't even care about. His work on the Twilight Zone for Dynamite, yeah, beautiful. It's true. Lone Ranger, gorgeous. Uh, his covers, The covers he did for Django Zorro were incredible. He, Shaft. Shaft. He's so good. He can do whatever he wants and make any book look amazing. Francesco Francavia. Speaking of an artist that colors himself and does a hell of a job doing yeah, it. Yeah,
1: I love that choice, no doubt. Man, he's
0: good. No doubt. Oh, Afterlife with Archie. Those covers. Yes. Good God. Yeah. He could win on that alone. It's They're true. so good. It's true. Joe Patrick, who is your best cover artist for 2014?
1: Very tempted to give it to Francesco Francavia again, but uh, I had to give it to Darwin Cook. Yeah. Who... In one month with just one series of covers. His
0: widescreen covers?
1: Yes. Yeah. He put out a series of covers for DC this month. Yeah. Or in December. In December. Yep. And that may have been, the, that very well could have been the only work he did all year. Like, I don't remember. He may have done some things here and there. Or, or he was working on, you know, the latest Parker or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's irrelevant. But Darwin Cook at the very end of the year, put out a series of covers that single-handedly reminded me just with a series of still images of everything that I missed about yeah. the, the, the DC universe. The Teen Titans one was just
0: awesome. Where they're in the band. Yes. Like, man, that was great. <laughs> like,
1: the one with Superman and Batman where they're just like, whoo, like the bomb, they stopped it with one second to go and they're just like taking a breath. Yeah. Like I, even books even books that are New 52 centric, like Grayson, he was able to do amazing work with those covers. His cover to Grayson is outstanding. Yeah. It's exciting. It makes me want to know what's going on in that book. It's great. It's a great book. You should be reading it. And yeah, it's just, I can't think of another artist that was able to swoop in and do a series of single images that invoked that sort of feeling in me than Darwin Cook. They were pretty damn good. I'll give you that. And if he hadn't done it this year, I would have given it to Francesco Frank. All right, then
0: <laughs> there is nothing more impressive in the comic book world than the double threat of the writer artist. Someone who can not only come up with a great story, but can draw the hell out of it too. They seem to be fewer and further in between every year. Joe Patrick, who is your best writer artist for 2014? This
1: was a no brainer for me. I am giving my Golden Beppo to Michelle Fifa, creator of Copra. That's a good one. That dude was able to write, draw, color, letter, and publish a team book. Yeah. All on his own, on time.
0: Through his Etsy store.
1: <laughs> right. The bulk of Copra came out in 2013, but... Uh, In 2014, he did the next little story arc, a series of single-issue vignettes uh, featuring each member of Copra, and he continues to do wonderful work every single time it comes out. I just received notification that I was gifted a subscription for the 2015 Copra uh, by my secret menorah. Comics therapy secret menorah uh, Partner I don't know what you call it My secret Santa Okay. <laughs> and I couldn't Be more thrilled that guy Churns out amazing work How he is able to do it I i honestly yeah. don't Understand yeah. I don't know how he put out 12 issues of Cobra on time By himself it's impressive Being able to write and draw Is impressive enough But it, being able to do it on the level he's Doing it yeah. is deserving of
0: much more recognition. And you can watch him improve issue by issue too. He just keeps getting better.
1: Yeah. That dude is a monster. Yeah. And we're, uh, people are talking about him now and he's getting a lot of attention, but he's going to be a superstar. And I'm just happy that we discovered him now, you know, while he's turning out the work that he wants to
0: turn out. Yeah. Let's get him off from those stupid ultimate books and give him something cool, please. I mean, really
1: (laughs) Matt Baum, who gets your Beppo
0: this year? Mine goes to a writer-artist who returned to a property that he used to do that I love. I'm giving it to David Lapham for Stray Bullets Killers. The original Stray Bullets book that David Lapham did is one of my favorite crime stories of all times. And a lot of people can return to properties that they worked on years and years and years ago, and the magic is just not there, and it doesn't work. He stepped flawlessly back into the world of Stray Bullets. The book is beautiful, it's disturbing, it's well written, really well drawn, it's black and white, so maybe he's not doing as much work as a guy like FIFA, but no. But man, I love what he's doing, and it's nice to see him drawing again, because Lapham has not been drawing for a long time, he's just been writing a bunch of stuff. He did a thing for Vertigo, he did that Young Liars book. Did he draw that? I think he did. I can't remember. Regardless. I'm so happy. That was a few years ago. I'm so happy to have him back at Straight Bullets. It's a wonderful book. He gets my best writer slash artist. Awesome.
1: Speaking of writers, some guys can't draw and that's okay. They just can't. I get it. I can't either. Or they can and they choose not to. Fair enough. There's that too. We'll never know. That's true. We give out a Beppo for the best writer in comics. Matt Bomb, who is your favorite writer of 2014?
0: I tried not to give this one to this person because I feel like they just get too much every year, but I can't resist it. I have to give it to Brian K. Perry Advan Vaughn for Saga and the Private Eye. Huh. Okay. I don't think- That's not what I thought you were going to say. Anyone is operating at this high a level. I caught up on Saga a couple weeks ago and all the magic of that book just came back to me. It's still absolutely wonderful- And they've sort of taken it out of the realm of just a pure sort of love story and started to get some really interesting interpersonal character stuff with some of the side characters, like characters that you thought were terrible people, you know, who were making choices because of their situation. And it's just gotten so good. And The Private Eye is one of the most intelligent detective stories I've ever read. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing it just seems like Vaughn is working on a different level than everyone else. It's true.
1: It's true. And I thought about him a lot when trying to pick a a favorite writer. But for me, it came down to this. Uh, I'm okay with just letting his work stack up for months at a time and then getting back to it whenever. You know, it's not that it's not wonderful. It's not that I don't love it.
0: It definitely reads better that way.
1: It's, but the urgency is not there for me. Like it is with my pick and that pick is Mark Wade, who is a writer that I also feel like I've awarded in the past and tried really hard not to do it again. But Mark Wade is the writer. I, I will say this, and we've probably made this admission on the show before Mark Waite is my favorite comic book writer, period. Yeah, probably mine too. And he continues to put out the most consistently enjoyable comic books on the market. No matter
0: what he's working on.
1: Right, right. And that's why I gave it to him. Because Brian K. Vaughn, very talented, very popular. I love him. But he's doing books that he came up with right. He right. Cr- he created these works from whole cloth. Right, and he's able to do whatever he wants, and that's part of what makes them shine. Mark Wade is a writer that can come onto a character or uh, a, a a series that does not belong to him in any way.
0: Yeah, he's one of those old school. He's one of the last of those old school guys that no matter where you drop him in, he
1: elevates. He'll be fine. He elevates everything that he
0: touches. Yeah,
1: and daredevil is a book i just got caught up on daredevil it that is a book that is doing things that i have literally never seen before in superhero comics not in terms of the superhero stuff no
0: the interpersonal stuff
1: have you ever read a comic book in your entire life that deals with the hard-hitting issue of postpartum depression yeah
0: i know (laughs) i have and that was a great issue there was a, such a great because it looked like they we're gonna get this story where they're gonna show us a battling Jack Murdoch yes! beat his yes! wife, and I was like, no, Mark Wade, no, yes, don't and do it. When
1: I read part one of that original Sin in where it looked like battling Jack Murdoch beat his wife, yeah. I was
0: angry. I was livid. It, this was right there with Uncle Ben touching young which Peter, didn't actually, which didn't actually happen. But like, yeah, was like, that was a rumor. no, don't do this.
1: Right, I was so mad about it. And then, of course, Mark Wade pulled it out with this touching story about a mother who sacrificed everything she had to save her son. It is the best event comic tie-in I have ever read. Yeah, it was great. It was really good. Like, how, do, how does that come out of original sin? Yeah. Uh, and so I had to give the award to Mark Wade because that guy comes on to every project, whether it's creator-owned or corporately owned, and he does something magical with it. We talk sometimes about writers that have, uh, uh, from the old guard, yeah, that come back after some time away, and it's not as magical. So the magic's not quite there as you hoped it would be. <laughs> uh, Mark Wade has never been anything but an amazing writer, yeah, it's true. And he is my favorite, and he gets my bevel for this year. I, I'm just floored by the consistency of his comics writing is great can't have comics without them it's true but you know what else you can't have comics without
0: pretty pictures pictures <laughs> pretty little pictures
1: pictures are what makes comic books comics matt bomb who is your Best artist of
0: 2014. I know we keep saying this over and over and over again, but there was such a breadth of quality in art this year. An amazing amount of good art. And there were so many names that came up. But ultimately, I had to go with Declan Shavley. No I, shit. I don't think anyone. That's my pick. Nice. <laughs> I just don't think anyone came into their own art form And just exploded like he did. I mean, like, I loved his work last year. We loved his work on Thunderbolts. We've we've loved him for a while. But this year, man, what he did with Moon Knight alone. And he did some other stuff, too, that was also fantastic. But what he did with Moon Knight alone. It's some next-level stuff. absolutely Absolutely beautiful. The guy has just come into his own, and I cannot wait to see more from him. Far and away, my best artist of 2014. With that said... Mateo Scalera was right behind him for his work on black science. What he's drawing in that book is so insane, like just crazy, different realities, different creatures, different rules of physics. And he keeps it all so tight. But ultimately I had to go with Shavley. I love Scalera's work, but I had to go with Shavley. You know, it's Shelvy, right? Shalvee. That's why I'm, that's why I keep saying it. <laughs> the L is before the V. Shal-V. All right. <laughs> I just thought I'd wait till the end of the show to correct it. Right. Thank you.
1: Yeah, he's absolutely my pick as well. And I struggled with this one because, you know, like you said, there is an enormous breadth of talent. Yeah. It was hard to pick one favorite from a sea of really wonderful talent. I don't know if it was the fact that I just shotgunned a bunch of Moon Knight issues or what, but I just thought about the work that he's delivered in 2014. You're absolutely right. He has really jumped up in terms of his abilities. And I think that his collaboration with Jordy Belair...
0: Yeah. Has... Hasn't hurt at all.
1: Has really helped to up his game as well. Declan Shalvey, you're my number one guy.
0: I love it. I love we're both on the same page. Let's get to the big two. Our final awards of the evening. Best single issue and best series of 2014. Best single issue for me... Probably the hardest category, the name. Just because you got to rethink everything you read that year, it's, what hit me. It's really hard not to pick
1: something that you've read
0: over the last two months. It's true. And <laughs> I admit, I did. Okay, well that's but fine. But in it's thinking just... about it, there was just nothing that hit me like this. Joe Patrick, what is your best single issue of 2014?
1: Oh, see, you gave me all this, you left me with a cliffhanger. I thought you were just going to go right
0: into it. No, no, I'll get there, I'll get there. All right. Okay. Well, like you said,
1: I struggled. I struggled with this a lot. I had my pick made earlier in the year when this came out, I was like, oh, this is it for me. This, this is, I love this book. This is my favorite read of the year and nothing toppled it until Pax Americana came out, the, the multiversity issue. And so ever since then, I've been struggling. Which one is it? Which one is it? And ultimately I stuck to my guns and my pick for best single issue of 2014 goes to The DKW One Shot from Fantagraphics. Oh, wow. By Sergio Poncione. Wow. Uh, DKW stands for Ditko Kirby Wood. And if you recall me reviewing it on the show, uh, DKW was a single issue story where Poncione explored his love for three artists. That fundamentally shaped his own development as a comics fan and an artist himself. Uh, Steve Ditko, Jack Kirby, and Wally Wood, and the way Panchione was able to tell these stories—three short stories featuring uh, each creator—and slip seamlessly, not only in and out of their own styles, like mimicking their styles but his own style as well in the in-between pages. It's just a beautiful comic and a really heartfelt love letter to three legends that shaped the way we think of comics now, the way we think of comic art and the potential uh, of uh, the art medium. And each one of
0: them changing it in different ways.
1: Yeah, exactly right. It wasn't just the art. It was also the way he told their story Uh, when it came to Steve Ditko, it was a very kind of sad story about Steve Ditko, the man. Yeah. And, you know, his lonely life. Grumpy old, crazy old Steve Ditko. (laughs) And, uh, but then Jack Kirby's was larger than life with Jack Kirby being resurrected as a, as the God of this alien planet where everything he draws becomes real. (laughs) He was just able to not only draw in the style, but also present a story that felt that matched you know what I think people understand about those creators, right. It's just such a wonderful book and a wonderful exploration of uh, comics talent. And if you haven't read it, absolutely seek it out. It was a fan of graphics one shot. Hopefully it's still available in print or digitally. I'm sure it is. It's absolutely worth a read. There's nothing tied to it. It's just it's just an exploration of how awesome comics can be and what they mean to this one creator.
0: So I'm tired of waiting. You left me hanging. I did leave you hanging. What's and your favorite single issue? Mine's I had to go with multiversity Pax Americana. Number one. Yeah. And that's fair. It was written by Grant Morrison with art by the amazing Frank quietly. And it was stunning. Absolutely stunning. And it's a one shot where we look into the Charlton characters, peacemaker, the question, the blue beetle, nightshade, and Captain Adam, basically. And we get this very watchman look into those characters. These characters that I love that have been so misused for so long. This was the best question story I've ever read. It was awesome. The question was so cool in this. And nobody writes him like Grant Morrison. Not to mention we got to see Ted Cord, Blue Beetle again. And it was like that... Sort of happy-go-lucky, not-afraid-to-be-famous, you know, like, Beatle character. And the Peacemaker, who's a character I've never really paid much attention to, was very, very cool here. And Frank Quietly, good God, man, no one panels a book like Frank Quietly. The way that he just guided you through, like, these zigzag panels effortlessly. Right. And you didn't even have to think about it. And then there was these other pages of just a million small little square panels with the question trying to figure out how someone was murdered, and it's jumping back and forth between the past of the murder and the question investigating it, and you never get lost. It was just so well executed, man.
1: The way that Morrison and Quietly were able to execute on a book that you really can read, like, I think that you can pick up Pax Americana and read it in reverse, and it will still make sense. Yeah, it might. And the way they were able to do that almost makes it seem like they are of one mind. Yeah. That's more than a collaboration. Yeah. That's, that's two creators that are so in sync with each other and, and what the other wants to do that. I don't know that there is another creative pairing in comics that is as.
0: Yeah. that could pull off a one shot like this. Yeah. That could definitely. do what they do. That was incredible. It really was. And, and just comic booking at its best.
1: I totally agree, and it was hard for me not to just give it to that book, but...
0: Let's get to the big one. The best series of 2014. This one needs no introduction. Joe Patrick. What did it for you?
1: I I still am not sure. I've got two things written down here, and... Choose one. Okay, my favorite series of 2014 is Daredevil. Okay. That's a great choice. Which is not what I thought I was going to say when we started recording. What did you think you were going to say? Moon Knight. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) also a fantastic choice Uh, both for reasons that we already went into in depth in this episode but when it came down to the moment I had to go with the book that really hits me the most every time I read it and that's probably Daredevil
0: I also struggled with Daredevil I had that in there I struggled with Moon Knight I had that up there I had sex criminals right in there too because it is just wonderful but ultimately I've got to give it to Saga So volumes three and four took the story that that we loved so much from the year previous and fleshed it out even more. And it is just keeps improving. And I cannot think of a series issue by issue where I put it down and I immediately need to read what happens next. I have to know what's going to happen next. I love these characters, all of them. I love this universe. And again, I just don't think anybody is working at the same level as Brian Kavon and Fiona Staples on this type of a book. And we've never read anything like it. It's Star Wars with a heart. It's Star Wars with farting and lovemaking. <laughs> you know, like, It's fantastic. I'm giving it to Saga.
1: That's fair, man. And, and you make a really good argument for it. I, I just, um, for me, though, I love that book a lot. I'm okay with not reading it for a long time and then okay. just letting it watch over me.
0: You know, and I tried to fight it. I really did. I said, no, don't don't give it to Saga. That's ridiculous. But I can't help it. There was like one series this year that just killed me with every issue. Yeah. It was Saga. But
1: you know, I'm, I, I'd have to go back and listen, but I'm pretty sure I gave it my pick to Daredevil 2 <laughs> last year. <laughs> I think we both did, yeah. But that just speaks to the enormous quality of these books. Yeah, and the consistency. And, and yes, exactly. That even a year or two years in, or even longer in the case of Daredevil, these books are still of the absolute highest
0: quality that you can find in comic books. It was so hard to pick Everything on this list this year, because there was so much good stuff. I dread the Golden Beppos every year. They're, they're difficult, but I dread them and I hate. It. I hate it and I love it because it makes me think about this stuff differently. And I have to go. Okay, we liked a bunch of shit all year, but what was the best, man? Like, what really got it? And yeah, ask me again in 15 minutes. I'll rethink a bunch of these. <laughs> hey, oh, <you> know. absolutely. <laughs> but we want to know what you guys think about our choices. We want to know what your choices were. We did the Listener's Choice Award, but we've still got that thread running. If you go to the Question of the Week. Fill it out, man. I want to hear from you yeah, guys. Yeah, I've posted the whole list of categories on the forums. You can give us your pick. Thank you so much to everybody that did answer you guys. And we're looking forward to another amazing year of comic book reporting, infighting, and dick and fart jokes here on the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast.
1: Enough of this. Let's get out of these monkey suits and oh, go to the after good party. Oh,
0: lord. Oh, gonna be a hell of one this year i'll tell you what be we're, safe out there we're heading over to tony stark's place we got a bunch of supermodels it's gonna be incredible gotta, i mean you
1: know what we it's we superior go. iron man now and he's way more you fun go. oh yeah <laughs> he's drunk again
0: <laughs> we gotta go over to the league of super pets party after that <laughs> oh god the tiny titans are having a rager it's gonna be fantastic <laughs> thank you so much to everybody for listening to the show all year we're going to try and crank out another year of fun. And we ask that you stick with us next week. We're back to business as usual. That means everybody back in your sex kennels, get to work. We've got a show to do. God damn it. No more of the special holiday programming. We'll be playing ask a nerd where we're going to have a very thought provoking discussion. We're just still trying to figure out what it's going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the 2014. Looking forward to a super nerdy 2015. This the Two-Headed Nerd Signing off For the fourth annual Golden Peppo Award We did it